0: The more I learned about the body and its beauty and its intelligence, and the more that I learned about how everything worked in this way of people feeding us things and us just consuming it and outsourcing for answers that we have within, I was like, I can't spend one more day in this industry. Welcome to the Soul Season Podcast. I'm Taylor.
1: And I'm Avery.
2: And we're talking all things. Faith, friendship, and finding your purpose through each season of life.
1: Hello and welcome back. This is episode two of season two and this feels very aligned. Two is our number for this year and today we have Brittley Williams. She is a somatic healing coach and breathwork facilitator and a mental health mentor on the Soul Society community. Welcome to the show, Britley.
0: woo I'm so excited to be here. It feels a lot more new.
2: We're so excited to just dive into a little bit about what you do and just sharing a little bit how you connect your faith with your spiritual journey. So, tell us a little bit about how
0: you got into somatic healing. Yes, thank you. I got into somatic healing about three and a half ish years ago. It was actually right before everything with COVID start, which really led me into my somatic healing journey. I was living in New Brutsels. I was a realtor and pharmaceutical rep. So I was in overdrive when it came to work and really just numbing out through work, becoming addicted to work and throwing my energy and self into work, which led me into a further disconnection into my body, into an eating disorder. And it was There was a moment in time where I just looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, I am so unhappy. And on paper, I have the most perfect layout. Everybody following me on social media is fooled, right? Like I have the house and the golden retriever puppy and the boyfriend and the six-figure job. Like I am really fooling people, including myself. And it was a really brave and bold, I guess, like admitting of myself of like, wow, this is where I got myself. This is where I am. So the first thing that I did was hire a somatic coach, which I didn't know what somatic meant at the time. So I thought she was just going to be a therapist, (laughs) you know, with a cool title. And as we got further into it, we moved beyond the cognitive ping pong, right? Like the back and forth between telling me about my past traumas and all the things. And we started to move into the body. I started to bring things into the body and bring to surface some stored memories of my childhood that I had no idea even happened or some that I've just completely blocked out of my mind. And that was a really amazing experience for me because I not only uncovered the reasoning that I've had this eating disorder, right? I was searching for worth and value and my identity was wrapped up in my body, but it showed me on a really deep level where it stemmed from like the younger parts of me that were frozen in time that felt unworthy and got attention for looking a certain way or acting a certain way or succeeding in a certain way. Right. And so all these acclimated beliefs that were embedded in my body. And that's when I fell in love with somatic, somatic healing truly. And then breath work was the single most powerful healing modality to connect me back to my body. I remember being in one breath work session and feeling like the rupture and the disconnect between my mind and body literally snapped. (laughs) And for the first time in, I don't even know how many years, maybe 10 plus years, I felt my body. And it created this sense of, oh my gosh, I had no idea my mind and body had been at war for so long, (laughs) like literally at war. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. Wow. I'm just imagining
2: like feeling connected to my body after being in this hustle culture and just this grind for so many years and distracting my mind from like my healing. So I just, I I can relate to this because I think a lot of listeners here are maybe in entrepreneurship or just trying to build a brand or trying to find their identity in whatever horizontal thing they can find, which is career and money and the house and the dog. And so I can just relate to your story so much and can definitely see that you've transformed into just this peaceful, like aware human. And I just crave your energy and love that you're able to not only use your experience to help others, but be able to help people find themselves in their identity in the process and using your face. So I just think
0: it's so incredible what you're doing. You said horizontal. And I always talk to my clients about that, looking right and left for external validation and up and in, like up to him and in towards us. That is the magic. We as humans have just accepted because we've been told that stress is due to external factors, right? Our circumstances, our job, that person, that thing, but stress is the accumulated emotion that goes unprocessed in the body. So let's talk about what a memory is, right? If we're children the higher the emotional reaction or the higher the emotional quotient that we have to an experience, our body is searching for the cause of that experience. When it finds the cause, it takes a snapshot and it stores it as memory. So this happens over and over again, right? And we're unable to really clear and process and be with that experience. We just store it as fearful in the body. And then that builds up in our body. So it's almost like the, most, the more fear we have in our body, the more terrified we are of our external environment. The more guilt we have in our body, the more everything feels tempting and shameful. So the environment is such a direct replication of what is happening within us. And when we can begin to identify that and get curious and break up some of those things and liberate some of those emotions, that's when we really get to live.
1: Did you have a specific memory that you went back to and then you felt it in a place in your body? What was that experience like?
0: I've had multiple of those, but one of them that stands out was in a breathwork and it was the most clear, it might've been the most clear experience I've ever had. It was me at six years old in my grandma's house in the back guest room, right? Like I could literally paint this picture for you so perfectly. I knew what I was wearing. I had a blue tank top with bows on the top and I was sitting in the back bedroom on the bed and my adult evolved day self walked into this room and she had her little like this clenched on the bed. And she was like holding in everything within her so tight. Like she just wanted to burst and cry, but she wanted to be brave and she knew it wasn't acceptable. And I walked up to her. I'm going to get chills. I always get chills. I walked up to her and I was like, it's okay. You are right. This is unacceptable. Like this sucks. Just like validating her. Like you're so right. And welcome to feel frustrated and sad and everything that's built up in your body. Yes. Let it go. And she just lost it. It's like, I permissioned myself. Like you do not have to hold it together and you do not have to, like you having a tantrum does not reflect anyone around you and all the things, right? Cause your mom, when you're in the grocery store and you're throwing a tantrum and your mom's like, you're embarrassing me, stop it. And what we're really doing as intuitive and intelligent children is trying to move energy through our body and express ourselves freely. And so when you tell someone over and over again that they're not safe to feel, they're not safe to express, like it was in that moment of pure visualization and such clarity that I was like, permission to feel, permission to break, permission to cry, ugly cry too, like permission for it all. And I just held her. And I think that was such a huge moment for me because it was like, wow, I am literally compounding this energy in my body and forcing myself not to feel. And that's the very thing that makes us most alive the most human and most vulnerable and relatable. So that was huge for me.
1: That sounds like revolutionary, honestly.
2: So good.
0: So I
2: feel like a lot of people struggle with being self-aware and It sounds like you came to a point of knowing that you needed to address certain things from your past, but not really knowing what that looked like or what it was going to bring up. But what advice do you have for people who are wanting to dive into just becoming more maybe emotionally aware or physically aware of what healing needs to be done? And like, how do you even start the journey of finding self-awareness?
0: Yeah, I love that question. And if you are someone who's just taking one step forward, right, it all starts with an awareness or a desire for more. Right. One time we look at ourselves in the mirror, like, wait, is this it or is there something more? Is there something I should be learning? Is there more to this thing called life? And if you're right there, God's got you right where he wants you. And that's such a beautiful, exciting place to be. And I would say one of the first steps in really getting to know yourself is really like learning about the human body for me. Right. I learned about the nervous system. I learned that we live in three primary states. And then from there, I was able to identify throughout my day. Oh, I'm in a sympathetic state. Oh, I'm in a dorsal state. Like the more we know about our bodies, the thing that carries us through life, the vessel that holds all of our emotions and capacities, the more that we're going to understand why they perform the way that they do, why, why we respond the way that we do. So just beginning to get curious, right? You don't have to go on this full on research journey, but just get curious about why does the nervous system matter? I hear nervous system regulation all over social media. Why do I care? We care because it's the very thing. That brings us back into homeostasis and back into our body, back into the present moment in a world where we are completely captured by everything, trying to get our attention and social media and this and that and work and hustle. And it makes more sense for us to go nonstop. Let's change the trajectory of our lives by slowing down. by feeling when our heart is racing, if you can even begin to notice, like when your heart is racing and when you're anxious and just being like, oh, wait, hold on. Before I just go into autopilot and do the things that I've always done, where did this stem from? If I track my day, when did it start? Where did, where can I, what do I know helps me in this moment? Just begin to get curious. Don't have judgment for your body. Don't have judgment for yourself or criticism for yourself, but rather just get curious. What state am I living in? Am I in the 3D narrow mind, dirt, 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 or can I zoom out a little bit at this human experience? And what's going on in my body and just starting with curiosity and leading with grace instead of judgment is half the battle. And it's, it'll get you leaps and bounds beyond where you are right now.
1: I love everything you're saying is speaking to my soul. And I you love that you it. mentioned the nervous system as well, because people who have anxiety, I have clients sometimes and I ask them, okay, where are you feeling the anxiety in your body? And sometimes they're like, I don't know. And when I talk about the nervous system, it's cremation overload. So how would you describe the nervous system versus the parasympathetic nervous system in our body?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing to say about anxiety, just if you're experiencing anxiety is the fear of pain. It's the anticipated fear of pain. So we haven't experienced the pain. It hasn't even come. It's not even in our field, but yet we're experiencing it as if we're going through it. And I will get back to your question, but a quick side note is I heard Will Smith say something the other day. He was like, my friends invited me to go skydiving. And the night before, I kid you not, Jada's laying in bed peacefully next to me and I am up. I am sweating. I'm profusively sweating. I want to puke. I want to cancel. Every part of me is thinking about an excuse. The next morning I get up halfway there. I pull the car over to throw up because I'm so nervous. I get in the plane. I'm miserable. I'm not talking. I'm going up in the plane. I'm coming to the edge of the plane and I'm, I want to just cry. No part of me wants to do this. <laughs> he goes, and then I leaked And it was the most fearless and beautiful, amazing, liberating, coolest experience of my entire life. And I just think about that. And I think, man, when we are living in anxiety, we're feeling the pain twice when we may never even have to experience it once. Right. And so just knowing even that, like when I'm anxious, I'm fearing pain. What am I afraid of? Get clear. What is the scariest thing in my life right now? It hasn't happened yet. What's the truth versus the story that I'm playing? So just Even allowing yourself to feel the anxiety, to move the anxiety, because it's not there to just annoy you and drive you crazy and inhibit you from performing in your day. It's there to communicate with you. And then as far as the nervous system, we have a vagus nerve that runs from our brain stem all the way down to our spinal cord, and it touches on every organ. And the higher the vagal tone that we can create in the body, which just means the higher the reactivity or the receptivity that our nervous system has to our direction for it, the more that we're in control of our bodies, therefore we're in control of our state, we're in control of our emotions, our reactions, our habits, our thoughts, everything, right? And so I like to think of the subconscious mind, the 95% of the autopilot mind that we run our day from as the body, because that's what it is, right? It's the body operating on autopilot. So when you speak of the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, we're speaking about this automatic nervous system that just works on our behalf. We don't have to think much into it, right? Our heart beats. We don't have to remind it to beat every second. We don't have to remind ourselves to breathe with that conscious space of being able to bring ourselves into the body and to connect and know that's even happening, right? That's even awareness in itself, is knowing that there's this automatic mechanism in our body that is driving us. And when we can start to get curious about it and learn about it, could we actually potentially manipulate it for the better? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was literally writing down
2: what you said about anxiety is the fear or anticipation of pain. Like, mic drop, really.
0: <laughs> I love well, that. If I could drop this mic, I would. This one's stuck. No, I love
2: that. I've never thought of it that way. I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking about you the other day because I was having an anxious day. Just anticipating a lot of things happening and I could feel my heart pounding in my chest, like just like loud. Boom. And I'm like, okay, I'm about to have a panic attack or something. And then I just started breathing, like real deep. And I don't know a lot about breath work, but I thought about you. I was like, what would Britley do right now? I can, <laughs> can feel so- my body, I can feel my body <laughs> becoming anxious. How can I address this right now and like just be still and be present in this moment and take care of my body and breathe and give it what it needs. So I know that breathwork has so many benefits besides just like helping with anxiety. But for beginners who are looking into doing breathwork or practicing stillness and all these things, like how do you recommend people to start with breathwork and how do you guide them in that way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, breathwork is my number one baby, like in all of the somatic tools that I have. There is nothing more powerful and limitless and infinite than our breath, right? Like between birth and death is our breath. And it's so important. And we just subconsciously don't even think about it, but bringing intentionality to the breath alone. Okay. Say we're just wherever you are right now, just notice the air going in through your nose and out through your mouth. That is bringing your nervous system down right now. Nothing else. (laughs) stopping what you're doing and breaking away from the external things that are stimulating you to bring yourself into your breath is bringing you into your body, right? What's so wrinkle. Cool. And then beyond that, there's so many patterns and tricks and different patterns will do different things, right? You can do an activation breath to give you energy, or you can do a grounding breath to, to ground you. But for anxiety, my favorite, most simple starter breath is the halo active breath you do it every time you take a deep breath. It's in through the nose and out through the mouth, but it's continual. So you won't stop. And I'll just give the listeners some an example and we can all do it together. Just in through the nose. That's it. And just continuing. And then I always envision the air that's coming in my body as it's like renewed grace and peace and everything that's leaving my body. Is this anxious stored energy that's just been stuck? And just like putting a visualization to that practice is beautiful. And if you follow me on Instagram, I'm always doing different breath works to show you different patterns. But that one alone is going to bring your bring that bagel tone up, right? Bring your body into the regulation, and you're going to feel better in the matter of thirty to sixty seconds. It's all it takes. You can do this in public. You can do this in your car. You can do this anywhere. It's like the coolest tool. That we have available to us. So that's how I would recommend getting started. Thank you.
1: It feels sometimes. like pranayama. Is that the word? Or yeah. Like the fire breath, the breath of fire. Breath of fire. Yeah. Fire. yeah. I think that's
0: yeah. yeah. I love it. And yoga was a huge component too to getting me connected to my breath because I didn't realize how shallow of breaths I was taking. And sometimes I would catch myself throughout my day holding my breath. Literally, like that's how anxious I was. Yeah, Taylor's like me. I would catch myself literally holding my breath and being like, oh my goodness, I haven't breathed and I don't even know how long. And just those awarenesses of, whoa, I was so disconnected to my body right there and in such fight or flight. Because what happens when we're stressed is our body doesn't know the difference between a saber toothed tiger and traffic. Like, literally, what happens in our body is acidity leaves our Organs and goes to our skin. So, in case the saber tooth bites into us, it's real nasty. We begin to sweat, like our body goes out of homeostasis. We shut off our digestive system and we go into stress mode. So, when we're in traffic and when we're faced with a tiger, our body is doing the same thing to protect us. So, how crazy is it that we allow it to believe that it's going to die at any second and we live in that state, right? And how important is it that we show our bodies that we're so safe? And we've so got this and then there's nothing outside of us that we actually need. That's the goal to enlightenment, right? That's what God wants for us so badly. That's what he instilled in us that we don't have to go out and learn, by the way, like no amount of podcasts and books is going to teach that to you. It's the remembrance of the innate worth that he just gave you. (laughs) That's what it is.
1: I'm curious what your journey was with the somatic breath work. I know you mentioned like your past working at a pharmacy, like that's crazy that you went from Western medicine to holistic medicine and then God's in the middle of that. So could you tell us more about how all of that kind of intertwined to where you are today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Real estate was the first thing I let go of just because of the grind because I was addicted to it and I was so damn good at it that I was like there's no way to have a partner in a life and do real estate for me right now in the state that I'm driving in, in this hyper-masculine, zero-feminine state. And so I let go of that. I started to find somatic therapy alongside my pharmaceutical career. And that for me was never, it never lit me up. It was never expansive. I never felt in purpose or in passion. It was like the golden handcuffs, honestly, because I was like, it paid great and I had great benefits. If I ever got pregnant one day, they give me six month paid leave. I was like, that alone, I'm going to to stay for. So I had all this false sense of security and these man-made things in this career. And when I, the second I started to do somatic, the harder it became for me to stay in that position, the more aware I became asking doctors, I would ask 10 doctors a day in a row, the same exact question. What do you do for patient XYZ? And this doctor would say water and this doctor would say a steroid and this doctor would say antibiotics and this one would say over the counter. So it's like, depending on who I went to that day, I was going to get a completely different treatment. And I thought, wow, we're so misaligned. We're so opinionated. We're all driven by bugs. Everyone has their opinion and their motive and doctors are amazing. This is not a rag, right? They're teaching what they've learned and their accumulated knowledge, but our bodies are so smart and so wise. They know exactly what they need if we would just ask them. Like how many doctors and visits we would avoid if we were just like, whoa, what do you need? Oh, we haven't slept in seven days. Let's start there. Oh, I haven't drank water. Oh, I forgot to eat. Let's start there. Like just bringing it into the body. I remember I was walking Sloans Lake Denver in my scrubs about a year and a half ago, because I overlapped the two for a while. And I called my boyfriend and I was like, I'm done. I can not go into one more office. I cannot do it. I know I said we had three months, but I'm done today. (laughs) Like I'm done right now today because the more I learned about the body and its beauty and its intelligence. And the more that I learned about how everything worked in this way of people feeding us things and us just consuming it and consuming it and looking and outsourcing for answers that we have within, I was like, I can't spend one more day in this industry. If I did, I quit that day and it was terrifying. And exciting and all of the things, because I was like, man, I can't create one more space for somebody else to tell me what I already know within. And I have to eliminate the noise and I can't witness other people doing it either. I have to go this way and see what change I can make and ripple effect. I can make the other way. Wow. Yeah. I
1: love that you talked about the masculine energy too, because I feel like Taylor and I both had a point in life. We were like, oh, we're over-functioning. Yeah because yeah. of, kind of like the patriarchal society that we live in the States.
0: Yeah. We pressure
2: ourselves to be equals to man and that our lifestyles should look the same and that our work ethic should be the same and all of these things. <clears throat> Until I started really diving into like my hormones and understanding my body when it comes to my cycle, even right. helped me understand that my days, my months, like my whole lifestyle <laughs> should not look like a man. man, Yeah. I know that there's probably people here listening that don't understand what does masculine energy versus feminine energy look like, maybe like in the workplace, in the career, but also
0: in relationships and like how can you slip into your feminine? Oh, so good. And first of all, I'll preface that both are so important, right? You look at a yin and yang symbol and each side has a little dot of the other. It's perfect for balance. I was so in my hypermasculine, building a business head down, thinking that I had to build it in that way. And I'll tell you I've built two businesses in that way and both have maybe taken off and then they've drastically failed and I've just started from the root because I wasn't creating from this beautiful thing called our feminine essence. Like we were made to create, we were made to inspire and to hold and to nourish. And so if you create a business from buying the $20,000 mastermind that tells you you're going to make seven figures in 30 days or else, and then that's the energy you put into your business. That's the exact energy that you're going to get back in your business. And while that might work for a majority of men, and that's how they are literally wired to create and to be narrow focused in that way, to be able to go, we as women are multi-passionate or multi-dimensional. We were not created. We were not supposed to. We were never meant to create a career from that, that lens. The way that we get to create a career is from this nourishment of what would feel really good right? And the more that we consume, the more that we're like, what magic do I need to create today? What do I need to do today? What to do? The more that we're doing it from this like white knuckle space for the validation of others. But the more that we get to contemplate like what magic wants to be created through and then uh, moving from there, that is our perfect alignment and that will never fail you. You can't fail, right, when it's when it comes from your heart and it comes from this intention to serve, to nourish, because that is our essence. That is what we were created and made up to do. And so there can be beautiful balance between, okay, here's the masculine container of I want to build this business, and here's my vision, and here's my why, and here's what it looks like. And then within there, how can I bring so much nurture and love and energy and God co-creation into the space to make that happen? Because if I stay in the vision, like the mental pillar, first of all, that's the analytical mind where fear, anxiety, doubt, everything lives, right? But if I drop into the body and connect to my heart, then the source energy that's going to come through is love, is gratitude, is serving, is nourishment. And that's what I'm going to get back. And those are the people I'm going to attract. And that's what's going to be the residual effect of the business that I create.
2: That's so good. I feel like all of those words that you just said, like the gratitude, the service, the love, I feel like that's when you also can connect with your spirituality or your faith too. When you're operating in that this is aligns with my purpose, my calling, my God-sized dreams or whatever that might look like. Like I I can look back on my life and see like where I was in my hyper-masculine, all about the money, all about the freedom, all about the, just the grind. And I wasn't operating out of purpose. And that's something that I really- strive to do now. And I feel like I've been able to step more into my feminine, into my calling, into my creative. Wow. And I call myself a creator now. And I never thought I was creative before because I was so hyper-focused on the grind and the results mm-hmm. rather than the journey of me becoming and stepping into my calling, like becoming the person yeah. God wanted me to be. This nurturer, yeah. this loving servant, this gracious like person. And I couldn't be that when I was operating in this other mindset. Avery, what are your thoughts on this too in relationships as well? I'm just thinking about the multifaceted because sometimes I feel like maybe this
1: somatic shame that I don't even realize about, mm-hmm. okay, we're doing this and this. Am I trying to do all the things? But the fact that you said we're multifaceted was a lot of confirmation and peace for me yeah. because I do- <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't have my blinders on one thing, but I have many passions and many different things that I want to do with my life. So that was just really nice to hear. Yeah.
0: And think about how that changes things. You're like, so instead of being frustrated and resistant against the fact that I have my eyes and heart in all of these places and want to create these things, right? Because we've already quoted productive as the sitting down and getting things done and checking the to-do list, that masculine energy. But what if I get to lean into the fact, (laughs) here it is, here's my what to-do list, throw that out the window. Right. But like Like leading into that, right? Like I always say your money. So I'm a manifesting generator, which is in the human design chart, if if you look into it, and it really just says that I will always have multiple careers. I will always be doing multiple things, right? And I had a mentor once say, so is your money. So is your career. So is your relationship. And I thought, wait, my money is stuck in my bank account and I never let it leave and I don't touch it and nobody looks at it and nobody can ever go near it. And she's what a fun relationship money has with you then, right? Like it is too multi- Passionate. It is too multidimensional. It wants to move and flow and give and breathe. And I think that for me was like, oh my gosh, like I'm resisting this truth of me, which is that I get to, I have this capacity to go wide and big and huge and bold and hold a container for so many things. Right? I have one on one clients. I have breath work. I have group, and I hold it in a podcast. I hold it beautifully because that's how I want to flow. You tell me that I have to show up 9 a.m. every single morning for a sales call. I'm like, I'm out. Uh-uh. Ooh, I can't. I don't want to do it. And my whole body rejects it. But yet I spent 10 years of my life doing that and frustrated at myself for having all these big, huge, brilliant dreams and God-sized ideas. And then I was like, wait, I'm going to flip the narrative. I'm going to put my energy into what feels good. I'm going to go where my brain and my body want to take me. And I'm going to stop living by the standards and expectations of everything else. And this quote unquote productivity that actually drains me right? Like I wasn't making any more money by working more. And we're either spending more time to make money or we're spending more money to create more time. And that's where I want to be. Like <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be utilizing my time and in rest, like rest is just as productive as the go-go. If you are yeah. not resting and allowing that time to contemplate, right? Not what magic do I want to make, but what magic wants to be created through me. Like that is, more powerful than you trying to analytically find your fixate your way into what you need to be doing. It's just yeah. as powerful, So not more. I love that.
1: I kind of want to ask you and talk about the role of touch in somatic therapy. I remember when I studied it this past summer, they said something that I will never forget. And it was talking about how we need 15 to 20 hugs per day because it's regulating <laughs> for our bodies. And it made sense to me because when you're an infant and they have, they're just born, they do skin to skin with the mothers or whatever. And so that physical nurturing regulates you in infancy and it like improves your immune system and your sleep. And so I'm curious like how that has shown up with you and your work and your clients.
0: Ooh, good question. I love this question. And it's so true, right? Like if we take it back to infancy, that connection that we needed it, we literally got sick if we didn't have connection. Right. And so For me, and this is so interesting because I'll be super vulnerable, I, in my entering my relationship that I have now was so closed off to touch and intimacy. I was so cold. I was like, I don't want you to touch me. I don't need you to touch me. I'm not a big cuddler. Like I had told myself all of these things, but really the underlying thing was That when I did go to be intimate or touch or close to somebody in my childhood, I got a cold response from my dad. He's an alcoholic and an addict and all these things. And God, I love him, but he didn't give me a whole lot of touch, masculine touch. And I had to earn it. Like I had to do something and then I would get it. And so I just had this belief in my body. And then it went on right into partners and poor high school and college experiences where I went to seek for that touch and then maybe wasn't met and it wasn't the touch that I needed. And so in this partnership, I was so closed off and I realized that my ability to receive love was directly correlated to my ability to give it. So we can only take others as deep as we take ourselves. We can only love to the extent in which we love ourselves. And so I realized that there was a window of tolerance that wasn't very big for me to love and give and receive him. And then when I realized that, and I began to love myself more, the more that I said, no, I do deserve to be loved and held. And I want to crawl up in a little ball on his chest and cry. And I want him to hold me there. And that was like the scariest thing in my entire life. Cause I was like, that is so vulnerable and not ladylike and pull it together. That was the story. But the very truth was that we as females want to be provided for, we want to be supported. We want to be loved. And the more that we can allow that with confidence and trust, that's what we deserve and that's what we desire. The more open it is. And now, every time we hug, when him and I are ever in a conflict, we hold hands because you know how hard it is to yell at somebody when you're holding their hand. It's so hard, it's nearly impossible because you are, you're energetically, like on a scientific level, your energy is exchanging, right? But on a spiritual level, you're intimate, you're here, you're present, you're bringing each other down. It's hard to get hyper aroused when you're in the arms of safety. So, yeah, hugs, touch. I'm a big toucher. I'm always touching my friends and <laughs> I hope they like it. I guess I'll ask them later, but I love to just let them know that I'm like here because I think it's also a symbol of presence. I'm here with you. There's nothing, my mind and heart and energy is nowhere else other than right here in this moment with you. Yeah. And a lot, last thing I'll say is a- there's a a foot called attachment styles. And there's three main attachment styles. I'm sure you guys know we have an anxious, avoid it, and secure. We'll go on into those at another podcast. But if you think about it this way, the ruptures that are done in connection that create those anxious or avoidant attachment styles, they have to be repaired in what? Connection, right? So there's only so much healing that we can actually do on our own before we need the connection of somebody else to begin to rewire those attachment systems and bring us back into safety in the body.
1: I love that. I always say if we're hurt in relationship, we're also healed in relationship. Oh, and yes. I think that can happen maybe with a new life partner or even like when you become a parent and you get to give your kid something you never had. So I love that because I absolutely 100% agree and believe that.
0: And it's important to remember that it doesn't have to be the person that created the rupture to repair it. Like we don't have to go back to our ex in eighth grade and be like, Hey, remember that time (laughs) back here? Like we can repair it in connection with friends and in connection with new spouse and others. And we get to just create that, that new safe boundary and that sense of support that we didn't have before.
1: And relationship with God too. And Jesus, I feel like that is, Taylor says all the time, she said, I feel healed and I felt healed in so many other areas of my life because I prioritized my relationship with Jesus.
2: And I think that's why I'm so passionate about community is because I feel like your friendships and your connections of people that are your chosen family can also be a part of your healing for whatever relationship hurt you have with your family or your you know, significant others or breakups or whatever, you can really feel healed through connection and if you don't have connection or you feel isolated or you feel lonely or like you're walking through life or faith or whatever alone, it's so hard to feel whole again. And so, like, how how is
0: community like a role in your healing and with your somatic journey? I love this question, and you are so passionate. You're you were made, you were put on this earth to bring in communion and community. So you're in it, you're doing it. It's amazing to watch you. I was thinking as you asked me that question, like it wasn't actually my current boyfriend, who's amazing and emotionally so available for me, that began to show me what unconditional love for myself was. It was my two girlfriends. So when I moved to Denver, I didn't know a single soul and I preferred it that way. I was like, I'm recreating my reality. I'm calling in people that are only soul aligned and full body yeses. In fact, there were a few girls I grabbed coffee with when I first moved here And I was like, Hey, you're so amazing, but this just isn't my level of alignment right now. And I'm going to keep making new friends. And it was like the scariest thing ever, but it was so liberating. And I had permission to, because who was going to talk about me? No one knew me. And that's where I created my, my new experience. And then I came along these two gals who, and I have amazing friends back home too, but it's just, it's two parts, right? It's the state that you're in. You have to be open and available to receive it. You have to be aware enough for the connection. And then The connection has to meet you. So just because I had an amazing friends in Austin and I wasn't open yet to receive it or even knew or had awareness that I wasn't in a space to receive support. It took these women in Denver, but they held me the same way. Every single time I saw them, you are so loved. You are so magical. You are so amazing. There's nothing you could do to mess this up. We're not going anywhere. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be perfect. Show up messy. Show up. Like it was just permission, unconditional, unconditional, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. And I think I felt so undeserving at first. I was like, surely these two are gonna figure out about me sooner than later. Sure enough, these girls are gonna get fed up with me taking up so much space every time we meet and me like being inconsistent because not really knowing who I was and feeling completely comfortable. And yeah, the shame begins to creep in and the guilt and the past relationship drama, right? Like we all have female wounds from a young age and there were three of us. So then I was like, are they gonna get closer and I'm gonna be left out? So many stories, but it was amazing how they met me every time in every story with the same love that they did last week. When I was on high having fun and when I was in alone the crying, they were there. And I, it was in those relationships that truly changed the trajectory of friendships for me and relationships for me. I was like, if it's not like this, where I'm met with unconditional love and encouraged to be my humanness and all facets, I don't want it. And it made every other surface level conversation and surface level relationship really hard for me. I was like, ooh, I can't go get coffee. I know that's like the romantic thing to do is like coffee date, but I can't go and talk about this for the 18th time with you on a coffee date. Like I, I was craving this soul connection because i never had it. Right. And that's what we all want and desire and deserve. And so community then grew from there of like intentionally choosing the environments that I wanted to be in. And I wanted God fearing women. I wanted faith. I wanted strong community. I wanted creatives and, and I wasn't even getting picky right that's just who I was attracting were these people with these light-hearted souls and this magnetic energy and here to not compare each other's journeys but just compliment and celebrate one another and yeah I can't even imagine I'm like what did I do before I had such amazing people I don't know I don't want to think about it <laughs> I
2: love this. Oh my gosh. I love how you said like they're out there and there's people out there that are going to celebrate you and love you for who you are and love you for your past and love you for all the shame that you might've lived with in your past. But it's so cool to see that you also became this version of yourself that knew also what you deserved in a friend. And the fact that you were able to set that healthy boundary over coffee saying, hey, I don't feel like we're in alignment and like I'm going to continue searching. That takes a lot of boldness too because I know there's a lot of people out there that might feel like they're evolving from this friend group or might evolve from this, these activities that you do every weekend. And it's hard to separate yourself and know what you deserve and know that there are people out there like in a dating relationship when you can't settle and you have to have those expectations of knowing what types of friends that you want to be around and because your energy is, I know you have to be careful, like where you put your energy, but how would you recommend like starting to have those boundaries? If somebody's listening and wanting to maybe move into a new direction
0: with friends and groups, like how would you recommend that? (laughs) Such a good question. And I want to preface something. We are so taught that it's selfish to set boundaries. And someone listening is like, why you said that to someone just go get the coffee, right? Because we're conditioned to, to think that we need to surrender our energy at the comfort and expense of others. And I just want to name that when I set that text of, Hey, you're a beautiful soul. This friendship isn't aligned in the direction that I'm going, but I wish you the best. And I'm so grateful for our time together. Take care. That doesn't just free me. And then I get to go, it frees both ends, right? That person, if you're not showing up energetically with love, they don't deserve that either. So just know that when, as we grow, it's growth and evolution over a lifetime, right? We don't grow and then stop and then grow and then stop. It's constant, continuous. And you just have to expect and embrace that the changing in environments and relationships is going to be a part of this lifetime. And thank goodness for that, because every door that closes, a new one opens. It's in the Bible. It's in everything that you could ever do and see and read. It's our innate truth. And so knowing that really allows us to not feel this big sense of selfishness or how am I going to say it? Or, oh, it's not you, it's me. Like, just take the noise away and just speak from your heart and just let them know that this energy is misaligned with what I'm going. Jesus had amazing boundaries, but knowing that you're doing a disservice to them by dragging them along and trying to make them feel comfortable or whatever. I still face that today. I'll be really honest. There's a couple of friends in my life that I feel this strange discernment for, because I want to be there for them. And I know they're having a hard time and they, they suffer anxiety and depression. And I have such a big heart and I want to be there for them. And in the same breath, I always leave feeling like I just had 18 client calls back to back when I hang out with them because I've poured and poured and poured and just inadvertently, they're not pouring back. And I think the discernment becomes, that's when we get to lean into God. And that's when we get to ask him to step in. And that's, not selfish for us about showing up. In fact, we're doing them the biggest favor possible by leading in prayer with their name. But if it's not majority mutual, right? If you're showing up nine out of 10 times to pour into somebody else for the 10th time, them to pour back into you, your energy is so much better used going inward or to those that are going to pour back into you. And that's not a selfish act. And that's when we get to bring in God and we get to delegate and ask him to come in and to help us there and to give us the strength to pray over them. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. (laughs) I'm still navigating.
1: In Ephesians, I've been reading this week, it's speak the truth in love. And I think that can Mm -hmm. apply to anything. There's a way to approach someone and say it in a loving place and say, hey, this is the truth. But saying it in a loving way can make like the biggest difference within relationships. I just admire you from saying it from the get-go because I think that's really vulnerable and really counterculture especially with female friends, because it's just like a more vulnerable space, I
2: feel. Yes. And we're all people pleasers. Like we don't want to let people down. And I always say like, I'm a recovering people pleaser because I would just say yes to every friend group because I was craving connection and I wanted all these different friends. But if you're not in alignment with them, like it's like you said, it's doing you both a favor.
0: There's so much fear of how they'll perceive it on the other end. You're like, what if they get this text and they think I'm an a-hole or they go tell everybody that I'm inconsiderate and too good for my whatever that's their story that's their human experience and guess what sally gets to have her human experience she gets to have that reaction and until sally wants to realize that your human experience is completely separate from her human experience she might live in that for a little while but you're still doing her a favor You're still giving her permission to set boundaries. You're still giving her permission to go on and find a new friend that's been more alignment for her and not pour more energy into you, right? And so it's like everything is for the grander good. Every decision, every conversation, every time you set a boundary, you're permissioning somebody else inadvertently to set a boundary. And no matter how they react in the initial response, if it's your truth, there's not much arguing to it you showing up and speaking your truth is so bold and so brave. And again, it allows us to start to question where am I not speaking my truth?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I've been thinking energy. I know you said energy and I've been looking at it with work. Like, okay, this specific client population gives me energy. And I'm realizing like, these are the clients I like to work with, like this specific niche. But I think the same can be said for friendships as well. Like You said you hung out with that girlfriend and she drained all of your energy. Okay, that's a huge bodily signal and spiritual Mm -hmm. signal that you are not meant for me. It's all give and no take or all take and no give rather.
0: Yeah, everything's an energetic exchange. When you go to purchase a big purchase, when you're like, and then you press send and it's ah, that's an exchange. But If you're like, I'm so grateful money flows through me. Here's just an energetic exchange. Boom. Done. That's the energy, right? So if everything's an energetic exchange, how high of a vibration can you intentionally make everything that you do today? Like if that smile at a stranger permeates through their body quickly and then leaves, like, could you make it the best experience, the best smile you've given all day? When you buy the coffee and it rings up as $15 because you added the oat milk and the sugar free vanilla and you thought it was gonna be five because it says five, but it's 15. (laughs) Maybe you better ring it up. Could you be so grateful for this energetic exchange and then taste the coffee on your lips and allow everything to be a little bit more romanticized? If everything's energy, then how you put in, how you give is what you get. And right. And so that's another thing that's been hugely intentional for me is like, where is my energy? And when I give it to this thing, does it feel good? Does it light me up? Does it feel expansive? Is it a no brainer or am I pushing myself to do it right? There is a thing called divine procrastination. <laughs> like We get so hard on ourselves. We're like, why can't I get everything done? But if your body literally does not want to get that thing done and it's pulling on every source of your energy, could it be for you? Don't get me wrong. There's stuff we got to do that we don't want to <laughs> do. <laughs> I don't want to vacuum my-
2: that,
0: yeah but just check it in with yourself like how does it feel mm-hmm. in order to feel better we have to be better feelers seeing yourself how does it feel as much as possible
1: there's this type of therapy called somatic experiencing and this man i'm sure you know he studied animals and watched like when something happened to them that dysregulated them they would literally just shake it off and so I'm curious, when your energy is lower, something more negative is happening in your life, how do you shake it off? What does that look like for you when you're in a low state?
0: Mm-hmm. Such a good question. Ooh, Without getting into it in detail, in brief, there's a concept called the polyvagal theory. There's the three neurological states that we live in. One of them is dorsal. And you could think of this as like the Eeyore state, right? Like a little bit dark and depressed, like hard to feel motivated and want to lay in your bed at its, at its most extreme extent, right? But on a day-to-day, it could feel just unmotivated, a little bit draggy, a little bit hopeless. And then the step above that is sympathetic. And that's like your tigger, like non-freaking stop hyperactive, hyper arousal. You get to the end of your day and you're like, what the heck just happened? What Wait, what year am I in? Why am I this way? <laughs> What's happened? And then there's the ventral, which is like the Winnie the Pooh, which is like, you're just here and present and observant and alive and breathing. And so when we get into our dorsal, so whenever you feel yourself going into a space of like slump, wanting to lay, Cause there's a difference between allowing your body to rest and veg and bend for the day and be, and then getting stuck there. Right. And like feeling immobile and unable to move. So in dorsal in a healthy state, it's our rest and digest. So it's actually really healthy for us. But when we get into that distortion of it, where we become immobile, And what do we have to do to get out of it? We have to move, right? And so in that state, when I start to get like into my feelings and into the depths, I will literally shake it out. I'll dance it out. I do this, especially in between client calls. Like I do a whole dance party or I take a shower because it's like inadvertently their energy does start to merge slightly into my energy, right? If I'm not careful. So just dancing, moving, shaking, like dancing is the most liberating, beautiful thing. I just did a reel on this the other day because I was terrified and frozen in time of dancing for the longest time. And now it's of course, like this is the only way to move the energy through our body. It has to be moved. And then inadvertently in that sympathetic state, that ticker state where you're like, that's your mobilized state. Right. And it's your fight, fight, or freeze. And that's helpful when we're in danger, but it's not helpful when we're at work. Right. And so when we find ourselves too climbing up that sympathetic ladder, the way to bring ourselves then down is to be still, right. To sit, to do breath, to meditate, to tap, to feel, I love to orient. So if I find myself really overwhelmed, orienting, it's just, what do I see? Three things I see. What do I hear? What do I taste? What do I smell? What do I touch? And just like bringing us back into the body, back into the stillness, a few deep breaths is really important. Tapping, if you are familiar with that. But anything that brings us back into the here and now, to our dorsal, we're so in the here and now, we have to be expanded. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like the most condensed I can do.
2: This is so good. It started reminding me all this topic of energy. I went to a Tony Robbins conference back in September and- Mm. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to him or read any of his books or anything, but he has this daily priming exercise that's all about like energy and breath work too. I'm curious if you guys have ever heard about it.
0: Not the trampoline, right? <laughs> I know
2: he does no, that. No, it's, it's almost like a morning meditation, but it's with a combination of breath work and so that you can start your day with energy. And he always talks about like the single most important source in life is energy. And he talks so much about like high energy relationships versus low energy relationships and how you can attract it. But anyways, I want you guys to go look up Tony Robbins priming and practice it. Like I did it for a year straight like every single morning and it was so impactful on just being able to give yourself the energy when you don't feel like it. And it's all about movement and all
0: about breath work and all those things. I just feel like it correlates a lot of things that you've been talking about. I love that. I will definitely be looking that up. And again, it's like the masculine and feminine, right? I have an hour, that's my masculine, in the morning where it's me. Like the dog doesn't come out of the crate the sun hasn't rose six to seven and that's me and God. And then within that hour, I get to flow. So if it feels good to breathe, if it feels good to move, like that's like the balance of that masculine and feminine, right? Like what would feel good, not tying myself to having to do this every day or else, but like, here's the window of time in which I get to explore. And if that's the medicine for today, then that's the medicine for today. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's an easy practice to, it's free on YouTube too, but I want to
2: hear about what are some things that people can do to connect with you on this breathwork and somatic scale? Cause I know that you have some cool things being launched soon. Yeah. Yeah, Tell us a little bit how people can connect with you.
0: Yeah. First and foremost, I, I get the most energy from my one-on-one clients. I absolutely loved that intimate container. It's what I needed when I was at the beginning of my journey. It's what I love to pour into. I love how intentional it is and how intimate it is to whatever my client's going through. Mm -hmm. So that's one way that we can work together and I can help support you in your journey, but I also do one-on-one breathwork experiences. If you're in Denver, I have a bunch of live events coming up in March. I have a podcast Divine your life. I have a group cohort launching and I have a retreat coming up. Everything's like coming up. So everyone's wait, what? um, Yeah. depending on when you listen to this March 1st through 3rd, I'm doing a masterclass on abundance, uprooting the limiting beliefs, planting new and fruitful seeds, and then flourishing into it, taking everything I've learned over the accumulated five years of this work to really show you in a tangible way how to do it. Yeah, Taylor, you would love it. It's going to be amazing. And I love speaking on this one because I took a month in creating it. Like I didn't rush it. It wasn't no agenda. It was just like from my heart pouring every day into this journal, into this space. So that's coming up March 1st through 3rd, which is also Women's History Month. So we're literally making history women. Yeah. And then I'm in Soul Society. Of course, that's new to me, but like the women in there are so... Immaculate and empowering. You guys have literally cultivated the most amazing community of women with such heartfelt and heart led leaders. It's beautiful. So, yeah, just come get a taste of me wherever you want. Come on in for sure. Join Soul Society. Get in there. That's been such an expander for me. But yeah, I live all over the place. I'm a manifesting generator member, <laughs> multi passionate. <laughs> A little bit. Taylor and I are like clapping
1: on the Zoom. You have a whole, like, you have a freaking retreat. Is it in
0: Denver? I'm I'm doing one in Denver and that's a mother daughter retreat. And then I'm thinking about doing one in Florida, a little more luxury beach theme for my younger gals and my entrepreneurs who need to get into the energy of creation. And that's really exciting. We'll chat on that after this podcast is up because I'd love for you two to come and and help facilitate. But that's always been a huge vision of mine and one that I had fear around for so long. And I have no idea why, because it needs to happen yesterday. And so many women are craving that in-person connection and getting in the energy. So yeah, when we press pause, we'll create that and get back to (laughs) y'all. Thank
1: you you so much for being on here. Your voice and your energy and your presence is like so captivating
0: know I like
2: I see you and I'm like I need your energy I want to be around you and I just, know it's, like I know this whole friendship and like connection that we have now within I don't know just all of our all of us getting to connect I just feel like it was a god thing so I'm always just, I
0: have chills always yeah. I'm manifesting us all living in the same place one day
2: so I know right Avery wants to be a jungle mom so maybe we'll just all move to Costa <laughs> Rica <laughs>
0: I love it. Thank
2: you so much, Rayleigh. We love you so much. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> we hope you found this episode valuable. If so, please share with a friend or post on your story and tag us.
1: If there's a season you're currently going through, slide into our DM.
2: We're bringing the social back into social media. So send us a DM at Soul Podcast.
1: Thanks for passing play. We can't wait to hear from you.